Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the, the most recent um, live stream of our, of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here with us. This is the next to last week of our Lenten journey. And this week we're continuing that walk through different metaphors and images used for the cross in the New Testament. And we're going to be talking about adoption this week. Paul in particular talks about how we've been adopted into as children of God. And, you know, what, where does that come from? What does the adoption mean in the first century? And uh, what does that mean for us as part of this new family? What rights and responsibilities come with that? And so that's going to be where we are this week. Next week, we're going to finish up this series. And we're going to be talking about victory. And so that's kind of where we'll end our Lenten journey on Palm Sunday. And so until we get there, it, enjoy this week's uh, exploration of the biblical image and metaphor of being adopted into the family of God through the cross of Christ. I invite you to join me in a prayer for illumination as we ask God's Spirit to shine light into our hearts. Lord God, great I am. You are the resurrection and life. As we gather to worship you on this day, sing your praises and lift our prayers up, show us who we are, bearers of good news, messengers of resurrection. Lord, we wait for you, and in your word we trust. By the power of your spirit, set our hearts and minds on the source of life and peace. Jesus, the Savior. Amen. So this Lent season, we've been looking at different ways that the scripture, the New Testament in particular, talks about the cross tries to understand it, what kind of metaphors and images that Paul in particular, who wrote a large portion portion of the New Testament and is really the first theologian of the Christian church, uh, uses to try to understand what actually happened and what difference the cross made. And of course, we're doing this in the season of Lent because in about a week and a half, we're going to find ourselves at Good Friday. And that will be the time, the season of the year that we remember the crucifixion. And then we have that day without the gospel, Holy Saturday, the day when Jesus was in the tomb, which leads us to Easter Sunday, the resurrection. But you got to go through Good Friday before you can get to Easter Sunday. Well, so far during the season of Lent, we've talked about redemption. We've talked about reconciliation. We've talked about expiation, propitiation, and Hilasterion, some of my favorites. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about adoption. And adoption, this image that Paul uses, is really less about atonement and more about the results of what happens on the cross. 
It's an image of salvation that is familial, right? It is being gathered into a new family. And this makes a lot of sense when you think about the story of the Gospels of what Jesus says when he gathers those people together, right? You're, you're being knit together into a new family. That's what we profess that the Holy Spirit is doing in the church. We're being knit together as a new people, a new family. We're given an inheritance, and Paul uses that image of adoption. You've been adopted into a new family. You've been given a new identity. And whether we like it or not, sometimes it's more so, sometimes it's less so. So much of who we are as people, you can trace back. I mean, it's not even a dotted line. It's like the straight, bolded, thick line to your parents, to your family of origin, right? I know the older that I get, the more mannerisms that I see and the more things I find myself saying, then I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm becoming my dad. And the older I get, I look in the mirror and I start seeing him. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm becoming my dad. I don't know if you guys have had that experience as well, but lots of the things that, yeah, so watch out. So watch, be careful. Um, but, you know, some of the things that we do, like I found, I found myself a couple years ago, you know, I, I've moved a lot because of my vocation. Um, in my garage, I would have these bags and these like little baby food jars full of random nuts and bolts and washers. Does anybody's dad do that too? Yeah. I just realized, I was like, I'm never going to use 3,000 random nuts. And so I gave them away. I just like, actually, I think I just recycled them. I tossed them. It was like, I've never once actually gotten something out of here. I have only deposited into here. And then I had, I used to keep these bags, these sandwich bags, you know those twisty ties that you get like around your, your bread or those little clips, right? I would keep those. Why? <laughs> I can't think of any other good reason than because that's what my parents did. And they probably only did it because it's what their grandparents, my grandparents did, you know? It's, it's like that story of the, the woman who cuts off the end of her ham and she doesn't know why. You know, when, when her daughter asked her, why, why do you cut the ends off? Well, it's because my mom did it. Well, why did your mom do it? I don't know. Let's ask her. She goes, well, because the pan was too short. You know, it's like we just do these things like on autopilot. And there are some things that you find that you couldn't stand about your parents that you have taken on about yourself. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about the sins of our fathers will be passed down from one generation. I think sometimes that's what that means, you know. We, we take the good, but sometimes we also take the bad. Right? And it's not all negative. As a matter of fact, one of the real blessings that I have in my vocation is I get to bear witness to people's life at the end of their life, in their funerals. And I can't tell you how many beautiful eulogies I've heard where, uh, and I don't know how somebody can do this, to stand up and talk about their mother or their father, uh, but but. Some people are incredibly strong and, and can do that. And they talk about the, the gifts that their parents gave them or their grandparents gave them, right? That's the, the positive side to the gifts that are passed on, what we catch from our families. But our scriptures talk about being adopted into a new family. As a matter of fact, this is the story of Israel. God says, I'm, I'm taking you on as my children. 
and I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. You, God calls Israel his firstborn son, which is another name that Jesus gets. Right? Jesus picks up this language, and he uses this image and this metaphor. If you remember, there's a, there's a place where Jesus is in a house, and he's teaching, and his mom and his brothers are outside, and they're like, Jesus! Uh, you got to come home now because you're making a big ruckus out there. And, and they're like, he's gone a little nuts. You know, hmm, we're going to get, we're, don't worry, we got it. And Jesus responds, who are my mother and father? Who are my brothers and sisters? It's not the people out there knocking on the door who were his actual mother and his brothers. It's the one who does the will of my father in heaven. Like you are being made into a new family. And this is his way of saying, when you have heard God's call, and when you've responded to that, when you've heard Jesus say, hey, come, come, follow me. We're doing, we were getting ready to do the dance again. Um, Come, follow me, come and see. When you've heard that, and when you've responded to it, God is making a claim on your life. He's calling you to change your allegiances. Make some big changes in what life looks like. As a matter of fact, the other day I was, uh, I was at the gym and I was uh, sitting with some friends. I, go, I often go to the 5.15 a.m. class. Uh, right, so there are only a few people who show up to, that, to the gym at that time of day. So you get to know them over time. And uh, we were sitting in the, in the sauna afterwards and there's, a, there's this really sweet, there's a father and a daughter and the, the daughter's about 19 years old. And, um, and they were talking, and the daughter was talking about her, her stubbornness. And she goes, well, you know, I know where I get it from, Dad. And he goes, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> and she goes, well, I can't. You're this way. Mom's this way. And I just couldn't help it because, like, the, the pastor part of me comes in. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can change. And the dad was like, listen to him. Listen to him preach. I was like, you can change. You don't have to do what your parents did, what they gave you, you can change your family tree. And sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes we've been blessed and we've been given beautiful families and great heritages, but sometimes there are things that need to be picked up and dusted off and and kind of scraped with some sandpaper, the rust that has grown on there. Because when you throw your hat in with Jesus, you are given a new family. You have a new identity. As a matter of fact, you're given a new name, Christian, Christ follower, Christ-like one. That's one of the things that we do when we have a baptism, especially with uh, children, you know, babies. One of the things that I make sure, because the baby's not understanding what I'm saying, I'm saying it really to everybody who's sitting out here. This is your new family. These are your new moms and dads brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and their job is to raise you up. We're made part of this new thing. Now, Paul is using the image, the metaphor of adoption to speak to this new family. Now, in the ancient world, adoption looked a little different than it does in our world. I I actually just kind of learned about this. Chris had alerted me to this uh, a couple months ago, and so I went and did a little bit more research myself. All right, the, in the Roman world in particular, right, the first century world that we know of as the kind of New Testament times, 
Um, the Romans had a particular way of doing adoption. And it, it, in some ways, it had nothing to do with age. As a matter of fact, a younger person could adopt an older person. It had a whole lot more to do with inheritance. So think of like Abraham, when he didn't have a son, he didn't have any children. He was going to give his inheritance over to a slave. He was going to adopt that slave, right? Well, in the Roman world, um, it was all about a male heir for the family line, for the inheritance. And they had a, they had a term for like the top dog. They call it the pater familia, the father of the family. And there are some cultures in the world where this is still the way it is. The oldest male is, and there are some cultures where it's the oldest female as well. And there are some cultures where even though it's the oldest male, it's actually the oldest female. Uh, so the, when the pater familia it died, somebody would take their place, the next oldest male. And they would be the one who would make the decisions for the whole family. And if a man had no male heirs, adoption was a common solution to the problem. And it actually worked the other way around. Sometimes you had too many heirs. Right? You can think of that, that family in your mind where like they, all they know how to do is produce boys. Right? They've got like six boys. You're like, do you, and they're like, we just kept trying for the girl and it never happened. <laughs> um, so what would happen in those, and this is particularly in like noble classes, right? Classes with a, that, that were kind of wealthy at the upper echelon of society. Um, you had to have a certain, it was really meritocracy. You had to have a certain amount of money in order to stay at that level of society. Well, if you have a whole bunch of boys, you may not have enough money to be able to gift each one of them so that they could stay at that level of society. And so it actually was like two families could win at the same time. This one family over here doesn't have a male heir, and this family over here has too many of them. And so they say, you know what? Our son, our, one of our sons isn't going to be able to kind of stay here, so we will allow him to be adopted into your family. And it'll help you and it'll help the prospects for our son over here. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's a little different than the way that we do it now. Because today, oftentimes in our world, um, some of you, this may be part of your story, uh, children will come through the foster system, and they get adopted into new families for a variety of reasons, whatever they are. Um, They're no longer with their biological family, but they're put into one that treats them as if they were. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to Elise, my my older daughter, the other day about this. She was asking about adoption and what that looks like. And so I was trying to explain to her the difference between a biological parent and yet sometimes an adopted parent is more your dad or is more your mom than as if they physically gave you birth. And so this process of adoption oftentimes can mean moving from one family system that was characterized by dysfunction into another healthy family system. And in a way, this movement, right, from one family into another mirrors the Exodus theme in Scripture. People are carried out of slavery through trial, right, through the waters of the Red Sea into salvation into new life. This is exactly what adoption can be. That's the story there. 
I've lifted you up and I've brought you into new life. And that adoptive family is usually ecstatic that they have a new child, even though there's usually some adjustments that need to be made. Right? Families have rules. They have behaviors. They have norms. And if you're coming from one family system into another, you may not know those rules or those norms. I had a, a, a professor in seminary who said he, his brother, one of his brothers was adopted. And he was adopted in, you know, probably like 10, 11, somewhere around there. And he said, I, I can't remember how many times we were like sitting at the dinner table. And uh, my, my younger brother was like, you know, punching us. And my mom was like, James, that's not what we do in our family. Right? These are, you have to learn new norms. You have to learn new rules, new ways of being. So it is with being adopted into the Christian family. There's a certain code of conduct. There's a way of being, of carrying the new name that we've been given. Claiming that identity for our own, that shift. And this is, that's actually the core of that ancient church practice. When they would be confirmed, people would be confirmed in the faith, they would choose literally a new name. This would be your new name that would be associated with your new identity. And when we sin, which we all do, which we continue to do, which we can't stop doing, we tarnish that family name. And so some of you, maybe as a child, or some of you have done this as a parent, but when teenage to young adult, uh, you know, which we have a couple here, uh, when, when, they, when you head out and they say, Dad, I'm going to borrow the car keys, right? And you say, you know, remember you're a Draskovic. Yeah. Re- remember you're a Ruskowski. Remember what that means. And then you start praying. <laughs> and so we too need to remember that wherever we go, we carry the family name with us. So I pray at the end of every service that there is Christian familial love that's going on in the parking lot out here after service gets out and is going on up in our fellowship building and is going on when we leave this space and go for brunch or go to the grocery store, that we're carrying the family name with us. So what does it look like to be part of God's family, right? What does it look like to bear the family name? Well, like any family, there are rights that are associated with it, and there are responsibilities, right? The rights in becoming part of the family, Paul used the image of Jesus moving us from minors to adults. You now have a legitimate share in the inheritance of the family. The Holy Spirit is written within your hearts, and you get to say, Abba, Father. This is what it looks like to be an adult. This is one of your rights as part of this new family name. But there are responsibilities. You are now invited, I would say required, to carry God's image everywhere that you go. To to use the, the incense of the Lord wherever you go so that people would smell his presence wherever you are. And we know that Jesus is the one who bears the full image of the invisible God. And so we're called to imitate Jesus, and part of our responsibility is to be his co-workers of redemption. His co-workers in the work of redeeming creation. And the place where we see that 
redeeming work the most is right there. It's right there on the cross. And so one of the responsibilities of being a follower of Jesus, having that Christian family name, is imitating him and joining him the suffering for the sake of the redemption of the world. And guess what? That part sucks. There's no other way to say it. That's why Paul says, if it's not for the, for the resurrection, we'd just be like the poorest fools out there. You'd, have, you'd hear Mr. T, like, I pity the fool. Because, man, it's a tough road. However, as adopted children, we can make sense of that suffering because it is redemptive suffering. It's taking the hurt of the world and it's not spitting it back out there just like everybody else does. It's taking the hurt of the world and like Jesus did, it's absorbing it and allowing it to be transformed into something else. That's what Jesus did. He like sucks it in. and He takes the worst that we can offer him and he allows it to be transformed. And he doesn't just spit it back out and fight fire with fire. He puts the fire out. That's our call. So friends, I invite you to join with me in the redemptive suffering in bearing the family name of Christian. And let's redeem the title. Because let's face it, it doesn't have the best label. We need some new PR. So you get to be Jesus' PR folks now. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the great gift, the rights that we have received in becoming part of your family, being adopted, made from slaves, from children into heirs, adults, those who claim your inheritance, those who are invited to become part of your leadership of your new kingdom. It's almost like you're saying, hey, I want you to be part of the pater familia of the world. Lord, what a gift and what a right and responsibility it is. So help us to be wise. Help us to use sound judgment. Help us to be faithful. To follow you in this path of redemptive suffering. As we seek to follow Jesus and imitate him in the world. To come and do as he did. To make disciples. To heal. To bear witness. We pray all this in his name, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for spending your time with us here at First Presbyterian Church. We hope that this message was uh, helpful for you in your Christian journey and walk and was edifying for you as we're continuing our walk through Lent this season here. Uh, Looking forward to... Palm Sunday next week, Holy Week, and then Easter Sunday and the empty tomb. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us, I encourage you to go to our website and uh, you can contact us that way. You can always come to worship with us in person if you're in Ogden. We're at 10 o'clock at First Presbyterian Church. That's at uh, 880 28th Street. Um, You can also check us out on our YouTube channel. You can watch the whole service. So you can see the liturgy and the music. You can sing along and really participate that way. Well, uh, grace and peace to you. Blessings on the week to come. And we'll see you back here next week.